Ali, can you name everything in the practice that's made by WNH? Ooh, off the top of my head, all of our handpieces, our sterilization equipment, my implant motor, the PisoMed, they're an incredible company to work with because they're an Austrian company that focus on hygiene. And we know from studies that patients care most about hygiene. To top it all off, the support we get from them is amazing. They don't actually supply the equipment, but they provide the support. Now that's true support. Ali, why did you invest in the Navident dynamic navigation system? It's incredible. It brings our safety and accuracy up for patients. Here's a tracker that we use. And thanks to Rob from the dental imaging company, it's been great support and so easy to set up. I see why so many people go to him for their digital imaging, 3D or two dimensional, and also all their surgical supplies like Ustamed screws. Rob's been incredible and I'd highly recommend working with him. Greetings dental professionals. I'm Flo, a new addition to the field. And I'm Ali, a seasoned dentist who's been around for a while. Welcome to Pearl's Two Generations in Dentistry, where we explore the depth of dental expertise. You can find us on Instagram at Pearl's Dental Podcast. We hope you enjoy this episode. How was your week? I've had a good week, but a busy week. <laughs> is that is that a surprise? No, <laughs> shocking. Um, no, it's it's been a really interesting week. So um, I've had a little bit of everything, a little bit of clinical work. Uh, I went over to Hereford Dental and Implant Clinic. So that's where that's a Portman practice that I used to visit, and I'm mentoring in now. And I've talked about uh, Ash Maru. He's I'm really excited. He's actually coming to South Africa for Southern's conference, and I think it will be brilliant. But um. Uh, I was there mentoring Ash and uh, some really complex cases because he's doing all the easy ones on his own. So now it's getting a more and more complex, which is awesome. And um, uh, I've been writing a, a course that I'm running next week for intermediate uh, implant dentists. That that's full, which I'm really excited about. So Amazing. this isn't a plug. It's just saying that I was I was busy. Um, but what I'm really excited about is our team is growing because we've realized at the practice that there's roles for people um, beyond conventional roles. So we're looking for an amazing person who is a nurse mm -hmm. in that order. And um, we're also looking for a really good uh, digital dental technician because mm -hmm. we have an idea of how we can evolve our workflow there. So um, yeah, it's been, it's been full on. But um, I have to say there's been... I, I try not to watch the news. Um, mm. I try and stay away from it. But I think um, I think it's really making me sad what I'm seeing more and more. I don't know if it's the same for you, but um, I'm seeing a lot of content of uh, uh, things happening to children on the news in war zones. And, mm. um, you know, I was really... I, I grew up in Kenya, mm -hmm. and uh, I came over here for university, and I'm now British. And there was a day where... I went to City Hall and my wife Zara came with me and I was presented with my certificate that tells me I'm British. <laughs> and um, I was kind of just like, oh, this is something I have to do. But there were families there that were crying. They were so happy and so proud. Mm. Um, and it made me feel really proud and really um, grateful to belong in such a country that everyone's looked after and safe. And mm -hmm. then I have to say, I've been really um, sad and ashamed of the stance that this country's taken when it comes to 
having the opportunity to step in to prevent some of the stuff that's happening mm-hmm. and um, it kind of makes me angry just like with the we've been talking about NHS dentistry that all of a sudden there's all this stuff happening because we're getting closer to elections to do with NHS dentistry and at the same time as we near elections things are in the news like people, the UK is deeply concerned about what's happening I mean we should have been deeply concerned a long time ago and mm-hmm. I just feel like um I feel like I thought this was a place that would stand up for the right thing rather than play politics. Mm-hmm. And um, it makes me a little bit sad. Yes, yes. I think it's quite hard. There's definitely a bit of a double standard going around at the moment as well. Yes. <clears throat> and, you know, I was one of the people who was putting Ukrainian flags on everything because I'm mm. like, you know, stand up for the oppressed because if you're in an oppressed place, you don't have a voice. And I try not, you know, I don't. I try not to bring politics into things because I'm no expert. Um, but I think we can all be outraged when children and innocent people are dying, no matter who they are and where they are. And I think everyone can agree that that's something we should stand up against as a society. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of that's kind of been on my mind this week. And it's made it's um, it's put a little cloud over my normal positivity and enthusiasm. So I've been trying to find things worth sharing to to on socials to try and raise awareness and to try and stop myself being blind to these things and just going on going i've had a great week um Mm -hmm. so yeah but you know that's kind of something that's in the background and um and we shouldn't forget and we should keep giving our voice to but we we can't stop doing what we do Mm. how was your week um busy i think it's really good yeah that you did speak about that and that you have been sharing everything um you said it's important we are giving a voice to those that at the moment are voiceless in so many situations um in a slightly different tone i um yes i had a busy week i um did um ian hutchinson's uh, lingual ortho course on saturday cool so you were excited about that we talked about that before you did it how was it yes no it was it was really interesting um learnt learnt a lot um it was i don't know if i'm do want to go down sort of doing more of um more or big ortho courses i do think it is something on the horizon for me so it was quite nice even though this was probably a step up from that um it was nice to actually be around some other people who were doing some incredible orthodontic work um I met someone called Dr. Kishan Chavda and he's, yeah, he's doing some great, great work. He's not a specialist in ortho, yeah. but I mean, yeah, the level of stuff that he's sort of doing and he's gone through sort of different courses and diplomas. Um, and I do think particularly nowadays where there's a lot of GDPs doing ortho, it's important sort of, again, being able to differentiate sort of where the lines are for what different people can do and this course was really helpful sort of giving you some general overview of sort of when and where things were appropriate which was really really useful that's brilliant because recently we had a case and i don't know if you remember of a patient who had um orthodontic treatment in london mm-hmm. and essentially um if an orthodontist or someone doing ortho doesn't fully understand what they're doing or why they're doing it I, I don't know anything about ortho, so I don't judge anyone, but basically a really young lady, pretty, really high smile line. And all these things don't matter, but they do, because when you add it all up, what happened was the the, the, the central and lateral incisor were pushed out of the um, 
envelope of bone and she lost mm -hmm. both of them and we had this massive defect to graft and yes. it's been a bit of a nightmare <laughs> and it's it's you know i don't know if that was an eye-opener for you or if this is something that's been on your radar for a long time yes uh well that case definitely i think and then yeah seeing just some of the ones as well on the weekend i um i'm planning on doing a case with my husband um and i do want to be using sort of like ct when planning everything yeah cbct when planning everything yeah. um and i do think it's something that's going to come in more and more because uh, yeah we can't be expected to do some of these movements and not then expect there to be consequences afterwards yes. yeah um yeah now that adult orthodontics is so popular yeah um and the bone is very different in an adult to a child um which i don't think is necessarily always grasped so well, well it won't be if the company that makes the aligners is saying just send it to us and we'll plan it because they don't know where the bone is either mm. yeah well that was what was interesting is that we're talking about how aligners really the only movement you can get is tipping because of mm. where the force is on an aligner um rather than the full bodily movement um so what's interesting is when i've spoken to um aston who we work with and uh, chloe harrington taylor who i've worked with mm. a lot who does a lot of aligner teaching um, they were surprised at how much more you can do with aligners. Mm. Um, if you, but but again, it's whether the I don't know if the aligners were designed to do that or if yeah. they've just been manipulated to. Oh yeah, no. Well, I think I do. It's, again, it's having sort of all the things in your arsenal, isn't it? Yes. So that you can dip in and and knowing then I'm going to use this in this case and this in this case yeah. and that's and that yeah and that's again where having that breadth can be so useful um so yeah it was a fantastic weekend it did i was up at sort of 4am on the saturday to drive down down to heathrow and then i saw my uh, brother and his partner afterwards and went to a musical called um unfortunate which is a, it's very drag uh, sorry camp and drag and fun and i would highly recommend it to anyone in london cool um, so yeah that was great fun and then drove back and got back at 2am this morning so oh man okay. um, <laughs> you've had a long it's been week a busy busy week yeah. but um but yes i'm very pleased very pleased that i did it so, good good yeah but actually talking about sort of that breadth of knowledge and it leads us quite nicely on to topic for today yes which is specializing and this was a topic a few listeners actually wrote in right at the beginning of when we started the season saying they'd really like to know a little bit about sort of that that career path to specializing um what does specializing in dentistry mean so um someone might correct me I've, I've i used to work in hospital and i used to know a lot about this because it used to be part of my everyday life i'm not a specialist but all the people around me were on their training pathway um and as far as i'm aware in the uk it's meeting the criteria to be on the gdc specialist list okay i did google it Yes. And again, there was no definite definition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just said that dentists can specialize further. <laughs> so. It's it's a protected term, and the the GDC and the people on the lists are 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 very protective of this, and I understand why. Mm. Um, but essentially, what happens is some practices have their website done, and someone in the admin team or on the website team decides to say this person does this so much they're a specialist in this mm -mm. you can't do that so it's it's a title that comes with your you passing 
uh, criteria or exams. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's where there's different uh, entryways onto specialist lists. Mm -hmm. So what are some of those en those routes, those entryways, those um, pathways? So uh, I guess the, the one that most people are familiar with is actually uh, getting onto a, a specialist training program. Mm -hmm. um, so that's through uh, the NHS, you get uh, your national training number. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea is that you end up with uh, the option to take the exams to get on a specialist list mm -hmm. and to become a specialist. So just because you complete the pathway and, and it depends, it's normally, um, it depends on the specialty. Mm -hmm. So I'm more familiar with kind of the restorative pathways because I was working in perio, but um, mono specialties like perio, pros, endo, mm -hmm. those were three-year pathways. Mm -hmm. This, again, this may have changed, but um, restorative was combi combined. So it was all three of those and it was in five years. But then you'd get your number to take your exam. So you still mm -hmm. have to pass your exam. Okay. That means you're working on the NHS in a specialist trainee. It, was a, it used to be a registrar. It used to be SPR. Now it's called STR. I'm not sure if anything's changed except for, you know, what, <laughs> I like the moving deck chairs on the Titanic kind of thing. Um, but it's a, big, it's a big commitment because you're working employed in that system for that amount of time. Mm -hmm. um, whereas the other pathways, so... I was under the impression that doing an MClinDent, so a master's in clinical dentistry, mm -hmm. gave you a specialist training number. Mm -hmm. um, but it was interesting. What I actually read is that um, some universities that have MClinDents mm -hmm. in various fields actually put a disclaimer on. And I'm going to read you a disclaimer from one of the websites that I saw, mm -hmm. because I think it's really important that if people are considering doing this, they know what they're in for. And it mm -hmm. says, please note the program does not come with a national training number and therefore will not permit automatic or any guarantee of entry to the specialist list in the relevant dental monospecialty. Completion of the course does not automatically entitle entry to the GDC specialist list. So now what this has become, you can do a master's degree and mm -hmm. there's different types of masters. I have a master's in sciences, so MSc. Mm -hmm. Um, which is an academic qualification. So it doesn't say anything about your patient contact or your clinical training. It's that you did the research and did the exams and did the papers. Mm -hmm. A master's in clinical dentistry is very much a clinical qualification. Mm -hmm. And um, I just assumed that you would do it to get this box ticked, mm -hmm. but it does not tick that box anymore. And actually the reason that's so relevant is actually uh, the cost of these courses. So I looked up what UCL charge for MClendents. UK mm -hmm. students full-time, um, the tuition fees for the year, 2024-25, mm -hmm. $37,500. Part-time is 18750 And you were you were talking about how expensive... Uh, yeah, no, I know. <laughs> yeah. Cheap, really, now. <laughs> International students for the year, mm. 61800 full-time. So if we're talking about a mono specialty, or you're not getting a specialty, are you? So you, uh, if you're talking about one uh, section, because mm -hmm. there's 13 specialist lists. Mm -hmm. If you're talking about doing a mono specialty of training rather than becoming a specialist, mm -hmm. you're looking at almost £200,000. Um, whereas what was interesting is I read an analysis of how much it costs to do your STR, your training through the NHS, mm -hmm. and they've uh, factored in 
the loss of earnings in other ways. Mm -hmm. And what they're saying is um, they're combining the average tuition fees and the average living expenses. Mm -hmm. And they're saying one year full time, they're talking about 28,000 and two years part time is about the same mm. or two years full time, which is more likely to be the case, mm. 57,000. Is that so 50,000 lost? Yeah, that's what you're going to invest. Oh, I see. Okay, That's what yes. you're going to invest. That's what you're going to compromise somewhere in your career mm -hmm. to have that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's really interesting because I guess the big question is, what does that investment get you? Mm. Yeah, yeah. What, what does it? Get? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, actually, I went down a bit of a rabbit hole on this. No, I, I'll be honest. Normally, I just turn up and talk to you, Flo, no. for this. But, but I actually looked into this because I I'm passionate the, about this issue. I think I think it's really interesting to me because I'm not a specialist, and there's no specialist list for implants, and mm. I'm really glad there isn't mm -hmm. um, because I've seen what. Um, friends and colleagues have been through to get on a specialist list and it doesn't always yeah, mean that they're better clinicians at the end of ticking these boxes mm -hmm. in fact some of them are just more bitter entitled people <laughs> oh they're really good friends um so um no but 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 this is the thing right like um if you go through hell to get something mm -hmm. Even if it's not worth that much at the end of it, sometimes you need to believe it is because you can't take back the experience you've just had. And All that's the money. A, yeah, 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 completely. And I guess it depends what you're doing it for. You know, I think there's a lot of people who it's been something they've always wanted to do. It's something important to them. And it's it's not something superficial or about ego necessarily. Mm -hmm. It's about achievement and um, a dream that they had. But then there are a lot of people who want to maybe say, I'm a specialist mm -hmm. and I get that as well. Um, so it's it, the, the interesting piece of information that I found is uh, something that's been called the gold list mm -hmm. and it's the unofficial criteria that is generic. So it's not for a particular specialty mm -hmm. that will get you into specialist training and it kind mm -hmm. of reflects the qualities of the people they're looking for mm -hmm. and why it might be prestigious to be on that list. Mm -hmm. So um, I won't read everything out, but they're looking for qualifications and academic achievements. So you have to have achieved academically. Mm -hmm. um, they're looking for you having done your dental foundation training and ideally be a member of one of the royal colleges which we can talk about in a mm -hmm. minute ability but they mostly talk about um knowledge of theory so and and ability to make legible clinical notes i mean none of this is screaming necessarily good dentist mm. But good academic, fair. Mm -hmm. Motivation, someone who's committed, fair. Uh, personal attributes, you know, being honest, trustworthy. Y you'd hope that this stuff would have been filtered just getting into dental school. <laughs> um, personal skills and attitude, you know, being organized, being, ah, I, lo I love this one. Um, prepared to rotate as specified. What they're saying is you'll do what you're told because there's a mm. system to staff. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and that's fair, but there's other things on there in mm -hmm. that section. Be able to establish professional relationships with patients, um, good communication skills. I mean, to me, this a lot of this is, is obvious. Um, research, that you understand research and ideally you need to publish to, to prove mm -hmm. this. And as we've talked about on this podcast before, it's a whole different skill and world to what we're taught in dental school. Mm. And then the... Um, and then just being pra uh, the practical requirements, being able to carry the job out. So that's a physical and mental capacity. Mm. Um, so that's to get on the list. But then once you're on the list, in 
in some countries, I believe that you have to be on certain lists to deliver certain treatments. Mm -hmm. So board certified in the States for certain specialties allows you to do that. And even if you're clinically able to provide those um, procedures, you can't do it if you're not on the list. So that's a really well protected list that gives you good incentive. Mm -hmm. In the UK, aside from hospital jobs, Mm -hmm. and marketing for private practice, perhaps, mm -hmm. I'm not sure what it buys you. Mm. And in terms of marketing, I'm not sure how many or what type of patients will insist on seeing a specialist. Yeah, no, I think it's very, it's very true. Um, and again, on the course I was on, we, we had an interesting chat about actually, is it worth all that stress um, sort of on the medico legal side? of things if things do go wrong when you're a specialist does it protect you or not um what was the consensus that it wasn't worth necessarily being a specialist that you'll be judged harsher i think yes um yeah basically yeah and, and how many patients do you find you know when you're offering your patients a referral mm -hmm. how many of them are asking about the qualifications of the person you're referring to and how many are insisting on seeing a specialist None. Yep. But it is very important to put in your notes. Gave option to refer to specialists. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and maybe to say that, like I'll say, look, um, for example, um, Cass, uh, Cassandra Monder uh, works with us. She's done her MSc in endo and she has done further training. And most of her week now, I believe, is spent just dedicated to endo referrals, basically. And I'll say to people like, Herendo is really good. She's not a specialist, but mm. this is all she does. And actually, I think how much time we spend doing something is just as important because mm. if you're a specialist, for example, mm -hmm. you're a specialist in prosthodontics and you mm. work in general practice, which a lot of specialists do. Mm. You work in general practice and let's say you do prosthodontics 10% of your time and the rest of your time you have a dental plan list that you take care of and you're doing checkups and maybe root canals and all sorts mm. you may have the theoretical knowledge but are you going to be better than someone who only does prosthodontics all day mm -hmm. every day maybe it's just yeah yeah it's true was it repetition is the mother of skill i like so. that yeah yeah <laughs> but um yeah so i think it is one of those yeah there is i think a big ego thing to it and it and then, yeah, there is, there's a lot of clout and everything comes with being a specialist. Ali, why do you use Southern implants? I love these implants. Brilliant. I have options like coaxis, which 38% of implants that are used by Southern are coaxis, which means that 38% of the time, if you don't have coaxis angle correction at implant level, you're compromising on your treatment plan. On top of that, soft bone implants, for the pterygoids, as well as the max implants, immediates for molars, can save having zygomatic implants. Definitely the way to go. Yeah. Ali, what's that you're holding? Well, this is a burr box from Crown Dental Burrs, and it has Dr. Flo King's name on it. And the reason we've implemented this in the practice is that Paul has the rotor system, so his great burrs are kept in order. That means you can ask your nurse for a number of burr, which means you'll always get the same burr, and the rotor system means you'll never run out of burrs. So it's definitely worth the investment, and it's not nearly as dear as you might think for something this good. 
Um, you mentioned about the 13 different things you can be a specialist in. Obviously, implants isn't one. No. Do you know the other, the, the 13? I've got a list here if you want them. Yes. And maybe we yeah. can, rather than just reading out a list, we can we can look at each one. Mm -hmm. So, um, PEDS, mm -hmm. pediatric dentistry, really interesting. Mm -hmm. um, recently, I've been seeing more uh, PEDS dentist qualified, uh, uh, sorry, specialists that are uh, advertising themselves as PEDS specialists and maybe mm -hmm. looking at the uh, option of having patients come in in private practice as well, mm -hmm. um, which I didn't see when I first qualified very much. Mm -hmm. And I think that's interesting and it shows maybe the state of what's happening in the NHS because I think that specialty just never had any general practice um, uh, option mm. because kids were taken care of. Mm -hmm. um, have you noticed that more? Yes, yeah. I mean, there's Instagrammers and things out there yep. sort of really pushing that that private paediatric side, but also... Which is brilliant, by the way. Yes, yeah. But also the pe parents seeking out that as well yes um so i, I do think gonna see that growth in pediatric dentistry on the private side yeah. i mean look if let's say let's say my child had a condition and they needed to go into the dental hospital and be seen on a multidisciplinary clinic which i massively see the value of especially with more obscure conditions mm. the thing is as a parent you both parents might be working and we know because we were the students on those clinics you could be there half a day mm -hmm. as a kind of a minimum mm -hmm. and then by the time you get there and get home and things that's time off work mm -hmm. you, you might you might prefer to go into practice and have an appointment maybe after hours mm -hmm. and pay for that and it's nice to have that option and it will also take away from the the backlog on the nhs and mm -hmm. get the people in who maybe don't have the luxury of doing that mm -hmm. uh, the spaces so I, I think that's awesome mm -hmm. um special care dentistry very much within the the nhs mm -hmm. uh we have a very good friend um I, I will name her because we love her so much jenny carter she's a really good friend of ours from uni she's working she's not a specialist but she's kind of in a community and working in the special care field and um i hear about the kind of things she's doing from her mm -hmm. and um yeah, the, it's, it's a really invaluable field. <clears throat> oh, gosh. Yeah, one of my really close friends, Molly Long, she does Molly, special yeah. care dentistry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Again, not not a specialist. Um, but, yeah, the stories and things that, yeah, there's so much, I think, that goes into that. A very rewarding yeah. sort of area to be in. Very and a very hard. difficult, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Um, then restorative dentistry, um, pretty incredible because it's three three specialties mm -hmm. in one um and um, a lot of restorative dentists kind of stick to a couple of those i don't know many that actually practice all three mm -hmm. um so interesting do you do you know any no i'm just thinking if there's a joke about a three in one like the piece on a ham piece and three in one as you said that. Okay. do you know the <laughs> no, joke or is that all we're getting that's all we're getting oh i sorry i don't know the joke i was trying to come up with one on the spot sadly right. not a comedian <laughs> okay so either flo's gonna come up with a good joke or our listeners are and send it in please Hopefully. um perio um endo and pros i'm gonna name together because they're the three mono specialties that make up restorative. Um, yeah, I mean, to be honest, most of the people I know who do um, perio, endo, and pros, and actually restorative as well, do implants. 
<laughs> and um, <laughs> sort of tags onto all of them, doesn't it, it? Yeah, it really does. And um, actually, there's there's jokes about um, in South Wales, uh, an endodontist that you send them an endo and the patient comes back with an implant. So um, <laughs> peri on endo lead can 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 lead to tooth loss. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of ironic because the worse you are at the perio and endo, the more implants you'll get out of it. But but no, I joke. But seriously, it's um, there there are conditions that lead to can lead to tooth loss, mm. and so it kind of is hand in hand. And because there's no specialty in implants, it's a it's an opportunity to do some very clever and perhaps unethical marketing, saying mm-hmm. a specialist in endodontics and implants. Well. I said specialist in endodontics <laughs> and implants was tagged on to the end, not specialist in both of those fields. And so um, you see a lot of that. Um, mm-hmm. I do anyway. Um, <laughs> ortho specialist. Yeah, ortho just it's witchcraft to me. I know you've been doing a lot of it. Um, but, you know, I, I know I know people who are doing really cool ortho helen mm-hmm. R- helen rimmer is uh craig lewis is it's actually all the people that ian's trained yes well, do- yeah. yeah i think is he seems to have a very good cohort and a bit, there's a community there where it does there's a lot of help in that field um, it, it's his philosophy i think and the, the support that he gives and the because because what he does is he gives people the understanding to have the confidence to carry out the procedures mm-hmm. that's what a good really good course is because mm. a good course will give you recipes a great course will give you the understanding to tweak those recipes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and if I had any desire to do any ortho, I'd definitely be going on that because of what what Helen has mm-hmm. said. Um, so, would you? Would, actually, we're halfway through this list, but I was going to ask: Would you want to specialize? Oh, I was going to ask you that question. <laughs> no, I was going to ask you theoretically of them yeah because i feel like okay okay let, let's to... go through the list then let's go through the list yeah, yeah. and everyone can start thinking of, of answers to this whilst we do it yeah um oral surgery um really cool specialty because on the surface of it it's taking teeth out but i'm on some cool implant groups with people like um sammy stagnall who is a, a really really nice guy really supportive he's based in bournemouth he's an oral surgeon so specialist and um I always thought that oral surgeons were just people who just take teeth out all mm-hmm. the time, but actually, you know, the nuances of the of their understanding of of um, uh, medicine, of uh, oral conditions, of the, it's the, they are they are uh, another level of surgeon really, and dealing mm-hmm. with vulnerable people and medically compromised people, just um, phenomenal. And I think I've had a newfound appreciation just from being on forums where where mm-hmm. they discuss cases. Mm-hmm. Oral medicine, um, very much a, a hospital-based mm-hmm. thing. I know there's some, um, especially in around South Wales, there are private hospitals where you might go, but you might, you'll probably see a, a maxillofacial surgeon um, if you have any oral med stuff that you want private advice for. So mm-hmm. we know there's a two-week waiting list for urgent things, mm-hmm. but there might be something that's not urgent, but you don't want to be at the bottom of a waiting list, and mm-hmm. there's ways in there. Oral microbiology. <laughs> uh, we're just going to move oral and maxillofacial pathology mm-hmm. oral and maxillofacial radiology that's that's a cool one because okay i i couldn't do that mm-hmm. it's the one with the least amount of specialists radiology mm-hmm. cool okay so we were taught by um nick drage who's really knowledgeable and really patient guy but um recently i met uh, jimmy mcadisi mm-hmm. and uh he is the nicest guy. So he's a consultant oral and maxillofacial radiologist. And um, Jimmy, I, I say this because Jimmy's been so good. Um, 
so Jimmy's website, you can do things like the online training for CBCT, which you need to have as part of your uh, refresher every five years if you deal with CBCT. But the really big thing, and he, he runs all sorts of courses, but he has a service, which we use actually, mm -hmm. which you can submit any type of radiograph from a bite wing to a PA to an OPT to a CBCT for a report from him. And it's a really reasonable fee. But um, there was a patient I had uh, a few years ago and uh, there was something suspicious on a CBCT in their sinus. And uh, Jimmy messaged me and he said, I'm sorry, it's taking a while to get back to you. I've actually passed it on to the ENT radiology team, mm. um, some friends of mine, because I just want an opinion on a few things. And I got a really comprehensive report with all of that on there. And the fee wasn't any different because he was like, no, you came to me for answers. And that's mm -hmm. how we treat our patients. Mm -hmm. And so um, I have a lot of time for Jimmy. And I think his content's really cool. Like there is some really boring ways to learn radiology mm -hmm. and Jimmy has found a way to to understand Make it fun. yeah well no to understand yeah. that maybe this isn't our jam right um so yeah um really cool and really necessary like we couldn't know what these guys know mm. and then dental public health mm -hmm. um do you want to talk about dental public health and explain it so it's one of the ones where you've got people in it that aren't sort of necessarily dentists as well okay um, and you can be bought on sort of as a consultant into it as well. Interesting. So it's, um, all of this information was taken from the BDA website, I'm just going to say. So if there's yeah. anything that's wrong, that's contact wrong. the BDA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, but it, yeah, it covers sort of a very broad range of sort of that oral health for the general public and sort of what sort of messaging is being put out and sort of the research side behind it as well. So you don't have to be GDC registered to become a consultant in dental public health? I don't, so there's, I think you can sort of, yes, there's people in it who aren't necessarily, yeah. Okay, interesting, um, cool, okay. I think most are though. Okay. Um, because yeah, there's that research side of it. So let's talk about that for a second, because I think this is interesting because all the specialties you can get on uh, through research, mm -hmm. but dental public health is probably an obvious one because it involves a lot of research. Mm -hmm. It's population-based dentistry, isn't mm -hmm. it? So, because I didn't want to um, offend anyone by being like, what I know about it is uh, fluoride. And these are the people <laughs> we need to bang the fluoride drum and get the fluoride into people. But actually that's because they understand population level mm -hmm. um, information. Mm -hmm. And um, I think what's really interesting, I do know people who have got onto specialist lists this way. So um, this is from the, the GDC talking about uh, guidance for assessed applications on the basis of academic or research work. Mm -hmm. So what they're saying is applicants who do not hold a certificate of completion of specialist training. Mm -hmm. So that's what we talked about. You do your three or five years and that's mm -hmm. called CCST. An Annex 5 qualification in the orthodontics and oral surgery specialty. So I think that's another way to get there. Mm -hmm. Or a formal non-UK specialty qualification. So you might be an overseas specialist and applying and that's a different pathway. Are potentially eligible to enter the specialist lists on the basis of academic and research work, also known as assessed application. Okay. Um, I won't name names because I'm not, this is secondhand information and I'm not sure how accurate it is, but I believe that it is a very, very difficult pathway mm -hmm. because uh, otherwise everyone would try it. And a lot of people who get on this way or get on a way that is not through specialist training have involved lawyers who wow. understand the paperwork mm -hmm. and will make sure they push the GDC 
to allow you on mm-hmm. if you're eligible or will really squeeze them to tell you what you're missing. And I know people have gone off to then do a PhD mm-hmm. because they've ticked all the other boxes and there are criteria. Mm-hmm. But that's when the Royal College has specialist advisory committees for each okay. of these specialties and they're responsible. And what you don't want to do is have someone on an SAC who doesn't like you. Ask me how I know. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and basically, it, it, it is almost a vote that is not based on what's on paper, mm-hmm. I understand. And so um, these are the people on these specialist advisory committees who are specialists themselves who are responsible for non-exam entries onto the specialist list. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, really... Um, interesting uh format and really interesting that kind of the last category that we haven't talked about are people who were grandfathered on Mm -hmm. when the list started that's the word i kept saying yeah granddaddy which is the wrong word (laughs) which is the wrong word (laughs) uh yeah we have to think of an alternative meaning meaning to that Um, is that is that what happens when you're when your kids have kids i don't know i don't know um yeah uh yeah grandfathered on and and so if you i'd love to i'd love for someone who's grandfathered onto a list to be very open about what happened when they were from what i understand it was other people vouching for you Mm -hmm. which has to happen to enter via the sac a lot of people have to um give you a reference and be there Mm -hmm. to stand up for you but um this i think was a little bit different because it was the beginning and they kind of had to just get a list together Mm -hmm. so it's interesting that a lot of people maybe towards the end of their career now maybe in their late 50s and 60s were grandfathered on mm-hmm. and haven't necessarily ticked all the boxes on on the criteria Mm-mm. and does it make them worse dentists or less capable or you know if people have been referring to them for 20 years there's a reason mm-hmm. why and i think that tells you everything you need to know about how important it is to be a specialist in order to be able to carry out a standard of clinical work yeah that's very true what what about people who have a special interest how is that different so from what I understand, I mean, so so dentist with special interest, everyone pronounces it different. And in, in Wales, people call it a a doozy. <laughs> I heard someone, Dan, you, actually, everyone can blame Dan Mock. Dan Mock pronounced it like that this week, right? Um, Dan's a, a mentee of mine. Um, but it's DWSI, dentist with special interest. I believe, from what I understand, that is a protected term. You have to have a particular NHS contract. So you have to have shown that, for example, you're more qualified or able to deliver uh, a special oral surgery or orthodontic contract. You get that contract and you get to call yourself a dentist with special interest. Mm -hmm. So when everyone realized this, people started not saying dentist with special interest because that's a protected term. Mm -hmm. They started saying special interest in. Ah, okay. Yep, so that's a... Clever. Yeah, yeah. So if you... Um, for example, Cass only does endo. She doesn't call herself this, so it's just an example. But she might say a dentist with special interest in, or- in endodontics. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's kind of become a colloquial term for saying I'm interested in this and I do more mm-hmm. of it. And you're implying you do it to a higher level. Mm-hmm. The question is, if you haven't been graded against a criteria... Mm-mm. How do you know or how does anyone else know you're performing to that level? And it might just be in your treatment planning or your diagnosis, right? Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. For me, this whole thing is a minefield. And actually, the proof is in the pudding. If patients aren't coming to you and people aren't referring to you, mm-hmm. you're probably not as good as the person mm-hmm. they are referring to. 
It's not yeah. always the case, but you know, over a career, these things tell. Yes, yeah. That ultimately, in the end, the numbers won't won't lie there. Yeah. So, I think maybe there should be some sort of term for that that not so marketing, but something where you are. That is the field that you prefer. So this is where, for me, this is why letters after your name are important. We've had this <laughs> conversation so many <laughs> times. Um, it was a joke that we used to have, like. People used to be like, oh, you know, um, so membership to one of the royal colleges. So there's MJDF and there's MFDS. Mm -hmm. The MFDS is Scotland and MJDF is England, the royal colleges. And this membership is you take an exam, Mm -hmm. but then you pay a membership every year. Mm -hmm. But you have to pass the exam to become a member. Mm -hmm. And you can only use the letters whilst you're paying the membership fee. Mm -hmm. So everyone goes, oh, what a waste. They Mm -hmm. just want your money. Of course they want your money, (laughs) but it's a way to set yourself apart. And what we used to joke about, it's the cheapest qualification per letter to make your name look longer, (laughs) right? And, you know, honestly, like, this stuff doesn't seem like it matters. Mm -hmm. But actually, if you're a patient, someone putting themselves out there who keeps taking exams, who has qualifications, it gives you belief in it. Mm -hmm. But you need some of these things for some further training. Mm-hmm. So my advice to all young dentists is to just do it. If you really think it's worth that little later on, you can just stop paying your membership fee, your 120 quid a year, mm-hmm. and drop the letters after your name. Mm-hmm. But what happens is then it becomes cumulative, right? So you get your MJDF, then maybe you do a diploma in something. Mm-hmm. Maybe you then go on to do a master's. Mm-hmm. And suddenly what you're seeing is, Someone can look at the letters after your name and build up a picture of what you've done mm. at the early start of your career. Yeah. How many letters do you have? I haven't counted the number of letters. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I, so I have my BDS, which Oms. we all have. Oh yeah, yeah. And, and by the way, I, I think I think I think we should dispel this myth, right? Cardiff sold itself as oh, we have an honors um, degree here. Uh, but but the thing is, whether you get a first, a two one. Or the the best thing I heard this week, someone call a tutu a Desmond, like Desmond oh, yes, tutu. Yeah. Right? I did not. I've never heard this. Yeah. So whether you have a Desmond, a two two one, or a first, mm-hmm. you still get ons for completing an honor degree, mm-hmm. even if you didn't get honors in it. Mm-hmm. Cool, but what's the point? Well, it looks nice, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really does. Yeah. So we got. I've got my BDS. Then I've got my um, MJDF. Uh, so mine, you know, you can do part one of one thing, part two of another thing. Look at the price. Look at how easy it is. Look at what your friends are doing. Look at which restaurants are nearby and pick whatever. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my diploma in implant dentistry from the Royal College of uh, Surgeons of Edinburgh because they let me or they they still do. I think you can take the exams without doing a course because I've done my studying mm-hmm. and then I've got my MSc in clinical oral implantology. And actually, the more I look at things, the more I'm like, I, I, I wasn't collecting letters. I wanted to do these things because they were structured courses. Because the difference is now, I can go do, for example, um, I went out with, uh, I, I have to say this actually, I didn't, I finished an online course this week that I really enjoyed. And it's Farhan Ahmed's pterygoid implant course. So I did his full arch course. Um, I've now done this. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was brilliant. But I went out to Portugal with him to see someone called Pedro Rodriguez, who is a, a legend in full arch uh, dental implants Mm -hmm. but that course that i did out there and the live surgery that i did 
it doesn't give you a qualification because it doesn't fulfill these criteria. Mm -hmm. But I got more from that than I have a lot of the things that have given me letters after my name. Mm -hmm. So I think from now on, it's I'm I've got the letters. Mm -hmm. even if that wasn't the aim but from now on it's going to be about collecting the knowledge and that just shows you don't actually need the letters mm -hmm. and it might attract a certain type of patient or refer yes no it's very true i think yeah there's definitely benefits to having them but then ultimately yeah for the absolute best care it you don't necessarily need them but yeah potentially for making sure there is someone in your chair that's where it's going to be more beneficial I guess also for knowing that you understand the breadth of what's out there for, you know, if you've done a course on, um, if you go out and do an aligner course, mm -hmm. then everyone's an aligner to you. Mm -hmm. And the point of having a, a specialist mm -hmm. qualification is to say that you're aware of all of these things. I was speaking to um, one of uh, the guys in my year in uni who's now a specialist orthodontist, and he qualified uh, and got his onto the specialist register without really ever having done aligners and not knowing how to do them. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't part, but he knew they existed. <laughs> and I guess the, the thing about being a safe and good clinician is knowing the breadth of information, not necessarily carrying everything out, but knowing that what I do is good for these situations so that, yeah. Mm -hmm. I think what is important to mention, going back to the, the list of 13, she, you know, I feel like maybe they should add another one just because 13 is such a, Unlucky number. But, um, wait, wait, wait. What would you add? What's the 14th one? Well, probably implants. I feel like it's no, missing there. No, don't do there. that. Don't do that. More hoops to jump through. <laughs> Sustainability or it falls under public but, health. Yes. So going back to what, what I do, it would be dental, dental public, public health. health. Okay. Probably. I, I, I mean, I. there's part of me that, you know, like I do really enjoy perio and after this weekend I'm like oh although like I think I'm very easily persuaded in, in a direction to be honest but um it's because you're learning from enthusiastic people so the two things I said I'd never do were perio and implants mm -hmm. and they're the two things <laughs> I've ended up doing um and I think it's because uh yeah of the people that I bumped into you mm -hmm. should totally at least do an MSc in dental public health at some yeah. point yeah I think I think that's probably where I'm going yeah when you have some spare time yeah, yes. <laughs> want to stop running marathons and put, put that time to something else. Um, I was going to say, if you had to, of the 13, pick one to be a specialist in, what would it, what would it be? Probably oral surgery, because I wouldn't have said that like a year ago. Um, but I'm realizing that um, that's kind of what I spend most of my time doing. You know, I'll do most of my reading, research and work goes into um things that would fall under oral surgery mm -hmm. um i also just hate the prospect of all the rest of them <laughs> <laughs> if i'm honest i got i'm looking at the list and it's kind of i've kind of just ticked off the box i'm, I'm uh, ash's friend um shyam um, I'm sorry, I don't remember his surname, but really nice guy who's doing his special, his M-Clindent mm -hmm. in Perio, and he's just started it. He's London-based. And um, he had brought his grandma in for treatment with Ash, so we were treating her together as I was mentoring him. And um, 
he was like, he was saying something in passing and he was naming bacteria. And I was like, oh man, oh, to be doing perio and have to name all these bacteria. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, but I guess there's parts of all of these. These people who are on these lists have earned mm. the right to be on these lists. Like we have earned the right to have BDS and we. Because all of us mm. did it who are dentists, we forget, like, some of the nights we were up late, some of the stress, some of the exams we took. I mean, it was relentless, really, for five years, I thought. Oh, my God, yeah. I feel like I'm looking at the list, and you know how, I mean, there's lots of videos stereotyping different medicine specialties. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just thinking what the stereotypes of some of these would be. And I feel like oral surgery would be like those bros. To me, that's what that's jumping out at. What, like the orthopedic uh, surgeons, yes, basically? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, because, you know, some of the... Um, some of the... Um, I've worked with more female oral surgeons than males. Mm-hmm. Um, and they are sharp. Mm. Like, like some of the oral surgeons, I get why you... I think the implant people get that <laughs> reputation, pros, to be honest. Yeah. yeah, I think if there was, yeah, yeah. Fair um, enough. But, yeah. Um, with... Um, so yeah, what I wanted to mention is the ones that you need to not only have a dental degree, but you need a medicine degree for, and that is MaxFax. Um, and apparently sometimes oral medicine requires it, and it used to be a bit more traditional. Am I right saying that? I Honestly, I don't know. Uh, from what I understand, it's just MaxFax that you mm. need to be dual qualified. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I know... Um, for example, no, there's definitely oral medicine training pathways for dentists. Yeah. Yes, no, no. So, so this it's is, some. So it's, yeah, so it's, they said that I think it, there was a time when they wanted more medicine and you can okay. come to it sort of through medicine and then do dentistry. So okay. it's a little bit, it's, there's more. There's a mixture. What, yes, a yeah. little bit of a mixing pot there. Um, not, yes, not what I would specialize in, but. Um, but no, but, but you know, it's funny because I've worked with dentists who, um, in practice because you have to go into practice you have to do your df1 mm-hmm. right like if you do dentistry mm-hmm. um to to then go back into specialist training mm-hmm. and i've worked with dentists who really struggled with clinical dentistry mm-hmm. and they are in some of these hospital fields now as specialists and they're brilliant at it mm-hmm. and so yeah i i couldn't though i need to be in surgery every day i couldn't i couldn't mm. deal with the bureaucracy of hospitals again as well yeah no i think it is i do think that's what's amazing with dentistry and it's sort of what i say to um i actually had a patient the other day saying that their daughter was thinking of applying and they were like you know should she and i was like i think it's a fantastic career to get into um because there is actually so many paths within it i think when the general public think of a dentist, there's a very sort of, usually sort of like a male in a white white coat, probably sort of pulling a tooth out or something. But actually, there are so many different paths that it opens up, and you can you can get a very different job depending what you want. Whether you do value that sort of nine to five, or you want more shift work, or there's there's so many different things you can go into. I agree, and not just that, but look at how many things we do in our week, mm-hmm. right? So. You and I have been publishing research, so we're mm-hmm. working as academics in a way. Mm-hmm. We are seeing patients. Mm-hmm. 
we're teaching and we're learning. So mm -hmm. we're going on courses and running courses. We're doing this, we're podcasting, <laughs> which I know is, you know, is just on the side for fun. But the point is like the variety you can have as a dentist. Mm. Um, the, the problem is if you lack imagination and you don't, you, you think that you have to pick one thing. Mm -hmm. That's the mistake, isn't it? That's what we've always talked about since you came in as a mentee is that um, don't restrict yourself by taking too much of one thing, mm -hmm. especially in the beginning, because go do what you get excited about and opportunities come up. I mean, people are... People are inventing uh, products, mm -hmm. you know. There are dentists who have, like uh, Peter Fairbairn with Ethos. Mm -hmm. There are lots of business owners, whether it's Peter owning Ethos or practice owners within. Mm -hmm. You could be an associate. You could own a training academy. Mm. You could just work as a teacher all the time. Mm. You could be an academic. Like, I just think it's the most varied profession. Mm. And the specialism part is, is actually a very small part mm -hmm until you hit a bottleneck of certain things. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think if you're running a really advanced course, for example, like yeah. some of the guys running full arch implant courses, um, I think you you need to be a specialist or you need to be dual qualified or for, for that um, gravitas and the kudos and the, um, the confirmation that you're in a position to be teaching these kinds of things. Mm. And so if that's your dream, then you've got to put in the work to get on these lists. Yeah. So... Got a few questions from our listeners. Um, the first one is, when do you refer to a specialist? Uh, <laughs> honestly, um, if, if, if someone who's very good at what they do is a specialist and I happen to refer to them, like there is, there are some um, things that, for example, Aston does really good ortho here, but the, if it's, if it's uh, beyond what Aston does, then we tend to refer to Angharad Brown, a new orthodontist, orthodontics. She's brilliant. She's a really nice person. Um, but ortho, oral med are kind of what we refer. Mm -hmm. And then if there's anything else, it's normally because it's to do with the patient rather than the procedure. Mm -hmm. That someone with that specialist list behind their name or that speciality behind their name needs to be dealing with someone who's either their expectations are, I'm terming it unreasonable, but maybe it's just very high. We can't meet those expectations for whatever reason. And sometimes that's because maybe we're not good enough, but maybe it's because too much is expected of the situation. Mm -hmm. And um, I think both the medical legal side of it, but also sometimes some people need to hear know from someone with those letters after their name yeah that's um, very so true. we all need to know specialists because they're our backstop definitely i think in the definitely in the nhs there's a lot more referral to specialists yes and i do think it's fantastic actually the e-referral system um i know there was lots of sort of complaints and things when it came in but actually having that computerized system that you can put it in also less paper with the yeah. the trees um. <laughs> but, but then everything can be tracked as yes. well that's important I mean mm -hmm. bottom line is th things were getting lost yes oh no no definitely. the carrier pigeon would fly off in the wrong <laughs> direction and someone doesn't get their you know their tooth mm -hmm. taken off for four years is mental um, and then the other question we got from the uh, public was do you think dentistry will ever have a model similar to medicine when it comes to specialising sort of where almost everyone has to go and do a few years of this and then you move up sort of bandings and levels 
No, because I don't think um, I don't think the funding is there for that. Mm-hmm. As it is, people are coming out of dental school not having done enough procedures, and then people are doing their uh, DF two and things like that, and there is no patience for them, so they're sitting mm-hmm. around. Um, so there isn't the the funding to bring in the patients to do these things, mm-hmm. and also I think I don't think dentistry is looking at medicine and going we wish we were there right (laughs) and so there's everyone's gonna dig their heels in now and go no way look at what the doctors are going through so yeah i'm I'm not saying it's not a bad idea to have this tiered uh, training i actually think Mm -hmm. it would be brilliant but for those reasons i don't think it will happen fair enough well thank you for all of that i thought it was yeah excellent excellent coverage of the specialty um and Thank you all for listening. Really appreciate it. Um, Thank you for listening to the last episode as well on um, indemnity and medico-legal stuff. Did want to say there's a Dentinal Tubules event that we're hosting here on the 28th. So uh, if anyone is interested in coming, coming, then um, send me a message and I can get you a guest pass if you're not a member or sign up on the website. Yeah, so that's in Cardiff, but they are all around the UK. So if anyone's yeah. listening anywhere else, um, it looks like it's going to be a really good topic. Yeah. Um, and if you're listening to this on the podcast, mm-hmm. um, we are on YouTube as well. If you want to watch this, uh, producer Simon has put us up on there. And please subscribe, like, and rate the show. It helps other people find us. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Pearl's Two Generations in Dentistry. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Pearl's Dental Podcast. Send us a DM with any questions, queries or topic suggestions. And remember, you can watch our episodes on YouTube. Please rate and review the podcast. This episode was produced by Simon Regan.